Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me as always are my two co-hosts. I'm Hwai Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I am Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News. Alright, so last week we discussed our most anticipated fall TV shows. And so this week we are taking it to the big screen and talking about our most anticipated fall movies. We recorded this at the same time last week, but decided to split it into two episodes for time reason. So there's some weird phrases here and there. That's why. We're going to go uh, back in time. We are. We're going to time travel. Yeah. Which is, H- which is HT's new favorite thing. Yeah. She's, she's I'm, like all of that. I'm still in the midst she's, of my Doctor Who rewatch. She's it back is. on her bullshit. I'm back she's on my 2012 back. Tumblr bullshit. Yeah, she is. So now we're all going to, uh, we have five most anticipated movies and we're going to talk about those. Uh, but first, I believe we have an ad this week. The Millennial Falcon is brought to you by picking up your trash at the end of a movie. It's respectful. Do it. All right, so let's go into our most anticipated movies of the fall. Then uh, I will start off again. Uh, I will have list. I'll first list my five, and then I'll go into them a little bit. But um, my my list is Roma, directed by Alfonso Cuarón, Burning, directed by Lee Chen Dong, and based off of a Haruki Murakami short story, A Star Is Born, directed by Bradley Cooper, starring Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Uh, Widows, directed by Steve McQueen and written by Gillian Flynn. And The Favorite, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. So these are all um, festival favorites, and that's no, that's no coincidence because I've been following the festival circuit really rapidly for the past like, month or so, and I have been getting all the buzz out of them. I'm so excited for all of these movies, which have all gotten really good buzz out of festivals like Toronto, Venice, uh, Cannes, and um, I I can't wait for all of them. So Roma first is uh, Alfonso Cuarón's much-anticipated return to feature filmmaking after Gravity, which was almost, I think, 10 years ago. It was a while ago. And uh, it's uh, his most personal and intimate film yet, surprisingly, uh, uh, as he says. Anya, you look confused. Wasn't Gravity, like, 2013? Yes. I think you're right, actually. Yeah, so it was, like, five, five years. years ago. I was just, I was like, wait a minute, has it been, I was, you, like, I was like, what is time? Yeah, so I was wrong. It's his mo- It's his return to feature filmmaking after five years. It's still much anticipated <laughs> because he hasn't been making movies yes. in a while. And he's returning with his most personal movie yet. It's kind of about his childhood growing up in Mexico City in the 1970s. And it's, I don't really know much of what it's, what it's about. It's a black and white film. It seems very um, atmospheric and lovely. So I, I'm excited for it. Apparently, Mexico has already put it up as its uh, pick for best, for best foreign film. And there's also a lot of Oscar buzz coming out of it that it will probably get a nomination. Uh, that's not the reason that I'm, I'm excited for it. I just can't wait to see this film. And a lot of people reviews her coming out of a TIFF, for example, are just ecstatic for it. So I can't wait. I love it. Um, my next film is one that I'm, I think, in my most anticipated movie of this fall. It's Burning. It's uh, directed by Lee Chang Dong. stars Yu Ah In, Steven Yun, and Jun Jung So. 
So this is Steven Yeun's other sort of Korean feature film after Okja. And I really am excited that after he left Walking Dead, he's just making a name for himself as like this great uh, prestige and indie actor making choices for like some some kind of strange films, but some a lot of them are most of them are like all critically acclaimed, and I can't wait for Burning. Um, it's again based off of the. Um, short story by Haruki Murakami, who's, again, one of my favorite authors. Uh, and it's got a lot of buzz out of Cannes, where it debuted, and it apparently is so good. It's about uh, this sort of love triangle um, in Korea, and uh, this um, Stephen Yeun plays like, plays like a sort of more upper-class playboy who uh, sweeps this girl off the, off her feet and he, this other guy who's the protagonist is very much in love with her and uh, is, an, is infatuated with her. And But Stephen Yeun's character has a strange proclivity for apparently arson, <laughs> random acts of arson. So there's a, a sort of mystery. Oh, he's a that, bad boy. Yeah, he's a bad boy. <laughs> but we don't know whether he actually has a proclivity for ar- arson because he just tells these stories and you don't know whether he's lying or psychopathic or something. So I'm quite excited for it. It's apparently so good. David Ehrlich has named us his favorite movie of the year so far. So there's some rave reviews there. He's the the film critic for IndieWire. And we all love David Ehrlich on we, the podcast. We, so. we stand for him. We do. Uh, and um, my other anticipated film, A Star is Born, which I'm very excited for this film. I don't understand why film Twitter is all kind of grouchy about it. I got... It makes no sense. It's because it's, because it's going to be a popular film that makes a lot of money and it's mainstream. And film Twitter is like, no, we got to watch the ones that nobody watches. <sighs> Whatever so, I I see this on the trailer. Be, it's gonna be a star is born yeah. and another one bursts. Yes, it's the full third remake. No, fourth, fourth remake. Film. Fourth film. Fourth film. Fourth film. Third, third remake third of this thing. story, and uh, it stars Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. It tells the classic story of a uh, uh, aging alcoholic form washed up star who discovers this new star. And she is born, and they fall in love, of course. And as her fame rises and his fame dwindles, you know, drama happens. It's a classic story; we all know it. But as soon as I saw that trailer, as soon as Lady Gaga hits that note, I get chills down my spine every time. I am a low-key monster. I have uh, her first three albums, and I'm a big fan of Lady Gaga. And I know that she can sing. I don't know if she can act. I hear she's really good in American Horror. I hear story. she's incredible in yeah. this. And, uh, and I, I heard from reviews, but I heard, like, she has, like, a star-turning role in A Star is Born. Yes. It's almost like A Star is Born again! Ah. I will say, I'm, like, so tired of this trailer because they have only released one. Yeah. And I feel like every movie I see in theaters, this is a trailer before it. And I'm like, can I get, like, a new trailer for this, please? Like, I'm getting very tired they of seeing the same a lot. exact trailer it's because they're marketing it it's gonna be the you know the movie of the year the yeah. one that's gonna get I, all I the get oscars it. i get it warner yeah, brothers like, i mean i down. also i also am sort of feeling that fatigue but i still do get those chills every time lady yeah. gaga hits that note but we, and i am excited what's great is gonna be it's gonna be a terrible oscar season for this because it's gonna be dragged through the mud once the, all the other movies are kind of gonna, it's gonna come be out. this year's la la land i it, guarantee it, you yeah even Absolutely. though, ironically, Damien Chazelle is getting another movie out this year, which is not on my list, but I'm sort of anticipating oh, it, it. It's on mine. We'll talk about Get it. To it. All right, we'll talk Get about it, it later. All right. My next movie, Widows, directed by Steve McQueen again. Um, after Sharp Objects, 
Gillian Flynn can do no wrong in my book. I'm so excited for for her future works. This is her first screenplay, and I love how she handles complicated female villains. And this is, if anything, the perfect uh, spotlight for complicated female characters. It stars uh, Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, um, as and. Who else? Two other actresses. Uh, Cynthia Ervio. Cynthia Ervio. Um, I think those are all of them. Yes. Those are the widows. Those yeah. are the widows. As four widows of former robbers who get killed during a heist. And uh, now they're facing down their debt collectors and are forced to turn to uh, Viola Davis's husband um, plans for a new heist, who's Liam Neeson, and uh, complete this heist themselves. Um, and it's... It looks great. I'm so excited for another female-led heist film that will hopefully be better than Ocean's 8. Um, it will be, I think it will be a different film. It will be a different um, film, And yes. I think it will be better just because it is different. Everyone's raving about it. It looks so... I hear Daniel Kaluuya could be up for a supporting actor. Good for, for him. For his role. He looks appropriately creepy in the trailers for this looks movie. terrifying, yeah. yeah. So I, I can't wait for this film. Again, Gillian Flynn is just on a roll right now for me. Um, so widows my last one the favorite Jorgis Lanthimos another director who both unsettles me but I can't wait for every one of his films I still have not yet to see The Killing of a Sacred Deer but I love The Lobster Um, and that was a film that I was really traumatized by when I first saw it but it really stuck with me and I can't again get it out of my head I really like Jorgis Lanthimos's sort of touch um, his penchant for finding the grotesque and in sort of more mundane, almost expected stories. And I can't wait to see what he does with finding that macabre twist in a period piece, which usually people kind of write off as stuffy and um, boring or dull. But here he really makes it seem as unsettling as The Lobster was. And I can't wait again to see another star-studded cast of women, Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weiss, Emma Stone. Olivia Coleman is already getting lots of buzz, as are Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone again. Emma Stone yes. is in a lot of is getting a lot of buzz lately. So I She's I, great. I love Emma Stone. I think she's a wonderful actor. I think she's great too. And she did carry La La Land. Like Ryan Gosling didn't really Absolutely. do much. Absolutely. But I can't wait for this film. It's it looks very strange and very Yorgos Lenthimos. So again, just like Injection to my veins. Right. Agreed. Anya, what are your top five picks for your most anticipated fall movies? All right. So mine are like, um, they're kind of like groups. So we're going to do that. So I'm going to do my first one is kind of the unexpected one that I feel like will surprise you guys as being in like my top five. Is it Bumblebee? It is not. Okay. <laughs> Although I do love Haley Steinfeld. So I hope it succeeds for her sake. Um, the first one is a comedy that's coming out starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley called Holmes and Watson, which is a comedic take on the Sherlock Holmes stories. Really, Anya? Really? Yeah. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I have a point. Okay. So first, I'm fond of Will Ferrell. I think he's funny, so I'm excited yeah, to see what he does. He's good. He's good. Um, and I'm excited to see what a classic story like this turns into a comedy, but... Do you guys know who's playing Professor Moriarty in this film? No. Who? Uh, it's a certain British actor named okay. Ray Fiennes. Okay. <laughs> Your boy. So, it's Ray Fiennes. Uh, love of my life. Fire of my loins. Um, 
And I, I think, actually, like, besides the fact that I just love him, after everyone finally saw in Grand Budapest Hotel that he's actually a very funny actor, I'm excited to see him do more comedy. And so I'm really excited to see what he does in a movie like this, because it's not like the subtle sort of witty comedy of Wes Anderson. It's like the big bombastic comedy of Will Ferrell. And so I'm excited to see how Ray Fiennes fits into that. Other thing, Hugh Laurie's playing Mycroft. Hugh Laurie is a hilarious actor from Veep to Blackadder, you know, Fry and Laurie. I just think Hugh Laurie is so funny. And so I'm also excited to see him in a comedy movie. Um, it also has Rebecca Hall and Kelly McDonald. So, you know, it's not going to be an awards movie, but it's British actors being funny and it's Ray Fiennes. Also, so. the fun Easter egg of Hugh Laurie in a Sherlock Holmes movie when he played a Sherlock Holmes character, yeah, character in Last. And, and also, Stephen Fry played Mycroft in the Robert Downey Jr. Jude Law movies. He did. So, I know it's unexpected. I know it's, like, really a Will Ferrell comedy, but, like, guys, Ray Fiennes is a man. Are they going to be doing British accents? Because that's going to be terrible. Or hilarious. Or both. Or both. So what if they're the only they ones who don't have a British accent. Like it's that would um... be funny. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. They released a poster for it, and a lot of film Twitter was like, "Really, like, ugh, this looks terrible." I'm like, "It's a Will Ferrell, John C. Riley comedy about Sherlock Holmes." You thought the poster would look good? No, come on, guys. Yeah, and I like. I finally saw Step Brothers this year, and I thought it was hilarious. Oh. So like, I'm kind of late to that game, but like, I know it's not like. It's not my most anticipated in terms of, like, awards and prestige and, like, it's going to, like, blow me away. But, like, I'm excited to laugh and have a good time and also Ray Fiennes. I cannot stress that enough. Do you, Anya. I will. I will. Stand in your truth. All right. So my last four are group two and two. So first two. I was so excited for these. And then people would be like, really? And they would, like, critique them. And then I started... I started feeling really bad about being excited for these movies. And then I had this existential crisis of like what perform- performative wokeness on social media does to people and how you make you question your own opinions. And I like had this like whole like crisis about like, am I allowed to be excited for this? People are calling it problematic. And then I was like, Oh my God, the internet is literally ruining us. Yeah. Um, so these two films are boy erased and welcome to Marwin. Never heard of either of them. Welcome to Marwin does not look good. I'm sorry, What's Anya. That? Okay. I've heard, so, of, I heard, I've heard of Beautiful Boy, but not Boy Race. So Boy Race is a movie I've been anticipating for a long time. It's um, directed by Joel Edgerton, who we stan. We love you, Joel, if you're listening. Um, and it is a, based on a memoir, so a true story of a teenage boy who his parents um, find out he's gay and they send him to conversion camp. Oh, it's that one. Okay, yeah, I know. So, I know. Edges, as the boy, his parents are Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman. Uh, Troy Sivan is in it as one of the other campers. Joel Edgerton both directs, and he is the like lead therapist counselor at the camp. And so it's getting good reviews out of Toronto. Um, and for me, I'm really excited that both this and the myth education of Cameron Post exist. They're both about conversion therapy. And for me, it's just important because I don't think people realize this is something that's still going on in America and that gay kids are still being sent to these places against their will. And conversion therapy is basically where people through religious means or like psychotherapeutic means try and basically change your sexuality. They basically say like, you are not actually queer, like this is wrong, 
like you this is a sin and like something's wrong with you um and so Joel Edgerton is working really closely with the man who wrote the memoir whose story this is um and I'm sure it's gonna like wreck me but I think it's really important that people know this story um so I'm excited for that people are calling it problematic because it's directed by a straight man Oh, I didn't. I hadn't. I hadn't even okay. heard of that. I only knew that it was Lucas Hedges' entry into him and and Timothy Chalamet's Chalamet's like r- horse race to become yeah. the most beloved like the, the, Oscar yeah. boy. The ladybird boys are coming yeah. back. Yeah. So um. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? If Joel Edgerton wants to be an ally and help tell our stories, and you know, I'm I'm supportive of that, and as long as he tells them in a good way. Um. Welcome to Marwin. All right, guys. I really love movies where Steve Carell makes me cry. If Steve crawls in a movie and he makes me cry, sign me up. Is this not Beautiful Boy? No. I am looking forward to Beautiful Boy, but Welcome to Marwin is, um, it's the one, so, okay. It's based off a documentary. Yes. Um, of a real life, uh, former soldier, like a veteran who was, yeah. uh, kicked in the head and basically, like, lost all his memories. He was assaulted by neo-Nazis, mm-hmm. basically, and he loses his memories, and, to cope with the trauma and the pain and his memory loss, he creates, like, dolls and this little town called Marwin to basically help him through what he's been through. Um, and it it's having some problems because, like, Janelle Monet plays a disabled character in the film and she's not dis- she's an able-bodied person in real life, which I understand is a genuine critique. Um, but this movie... <laughs> It is exactly my sensibilities. It's, like, emotional. It's earnest. It is, like, makes me cry just from the trailer. It's people finding salvation through art and creativity. Um, and the resilience of the human spirit. Um, and I'm a cheesy person. I'm an idealist. I'm earnest to a fault. Like, Steve Carell's gonna make me cry in this. Also, Steve Carell is hot dad, so... <laughs> My problem with this is that apparently the documentary is just so lovely and so unique that it got turned into this kind of emotionally manipulative looking drama, and I don't know how I feel about that. I don't. I don't know. I I mean, the thing is, I could go see it, and I could end up not liking it because it is emotionally manipulative, and it's not what I thought it was going to be. So I acknowledge that, but like as of right now, before having seen it, the trailer gets me, and I'm excited. And I, I can't help it, and people try and make me feel bad for it, and I've decided to say, no, I'm going to keep an open mind, and I'm going to make Steve Carell make me cry. Yeah, and Anya, don't feel bad about what you like. Yeah. Yeah, Garden State's one of my favorite movies. We all have problematic faves. True. All right, so my final two um, is my, I'm, I've been blessed for this year, my favorite genre of film, above all, are period dramas. I love them. Yes. I'm a sucker for them. I will watch a period drama over anything else. It is the best genre of film in my mind. And yeah, like HT said, people think they're stuffy and they're passive and they're slow. And they can be, but I think there's so much more to them. And I like that this year we're seeing directors kind of challenge the idea of what a period drama can be. So my final two are The Favorite by Yorgos Lanthimos, who is one of my favorite directors right now. Um, And also Mary Queen of Scots which is the movie about the relationship between Mary, Queen of Scots, and Queen Elizabeth I, um, played by Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie, respectively. Saoirse. Saoirse. Good old Saoirse. Finally playing a Scot. 
even though even though she's Irish. Yeah, even though oh yeah, she's Irish. I'm oh, sorry, I she's thought she was Irish. Scottish. Even no. though technically uh, Mary Queen of Scots was not Scottish apparently and didn't speak with the Scottish accent. Right. But Scottish accent's really good in the trailer, so I'm yeah. here for. Um, I mean, it's like one step ne- next to an Irish one, so. So we have the absurd dark comedy of the favorite, which, like HD said, looks great. I also love the idea of like flawed, ambitious, cruel women like looking out for themselves in a period like this when like men, you know, are men in history. Um, and so the idea of Emma Stone and Rachel Wise like going at each other's throats to like become the favorite and rise in rank in these really like absurd dark ways uh, looks fantastic to me. And then Mary Queen of Scots looks more like a traditional drama, like period piece that is very Oscar baby, but I'm also like, it's led by two really great actresses who are both Oscar nominated for good reason. And their performances from the trailer alone look phenomenal. Um, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a sucker for those sweeping period dramas. Like put that in front of me and I will eat that shit up with a spoon. Hell yeah. Golden spoon. Yeah. Golden Spoon. Damn right. So yeah, so those are my five. All right. Lots of commentary in between. <laughs> All right, Willoughby, what are your top five anticipated movies of the fall? Um, so one of them's already been said. It was A Star is Born. And the other four are First Man, which is the new movie by Damien Chazelle, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, which is the new Drew Goddard film, um, Spider-Man colon Into the Spider-Verse, which is the new animated feature film Spider-Man, starring uh, Shameik Moore as Miles Morales, um, and Creed 2, which is the sequel to Creed, which I've been waiting for since 2015. Um, Well, I have a question for you. I have an answer for you. So is First Man about the first white man who, like, revives jazz, (laughs) saves it? You would think, because of the track record that Damien Chazelle has had for the past two movies. Brian Gosling uh, go to the moon to save jazz? He he goes to the moon, but I don't believe to save jazz. Although he was a fan of jazz and played the trumpet. So there is that connection. Neil Armstrong, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Wait, yeah, have so you not been like following anything about this, about this movie, Anya? I've been following, like, the flag controversy, which is really dumb, oh, and I'm like, we yeah, don't, people, We're so not going to talk about the we're flag controversy. Yeah, that's, that's like the dumb. only thing I've heard, is the flag controversy. No, and also, no, like, so, when it was announced that Damien Chazelle's next movie was going to be a Neil Armstrong biopic, people were, like, Googling, like, what's the connection to jazz? And it turns out that, that <laughs> Neil Armstrong is actually a fan of jazz and can play the trumpet. <gasps> oh, but apparently he does not play jazz in this movie but he what? does save jazz yes. on the moon um no i'm really excited for this i love space dramas i love space i love the i love all of the you know like apollo 13 and uh uh the right stuff like th- those types of movies that are like about like us trying to get into space i always think it's really fun and really interesting um, and so, and I've, I didn't realize we never, we've never really had a Neil Armstrong biopic yet. So I really think that with the intensity of what the Apollo 11 mission was, Damien Chazelle honestly is the perfect director for it because he does have a, such a way of his editing and tense filmmaking of whiplash. I think that his, his strengths are more focused in whiplash than la la land um and so like i'm excited to see a return to form almost um with him doing this because i do think that whiplash was one of the best movies of the year it came out especially 
like filmmaking wise. And I think that the fact that they filmed it, you know, like they're, they're going to be showing it in IMAX. It's going to be like a prestige IMAX movie, which like Christopher Nolan's the only other one that gets to do that. So I'm really excited to see this movie. Um, and like probably throw up afterwards. Um, I'm excited for it too, actually. Good yeah. Time. Uh, the next one is Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, I love uh, Cabin in the Woods. I think Drew Goddard does a really good job with that. Um, and I'm really excited to see him do more movies. He hasn't really done a movie since then. He's done a lot of TV shows. He directed a couple episodes of The Good Place. Um, and he wrote The Martian. But I'm excited to see him return to direct a film. Um, and it stars a whole cast of great people. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is in it. John Hamm. Um... Uh, there, uh, 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 Jeff Bridges is in it. Uh, uh, there's a guy who looks like Tom Holland, but it's not Tom Holland. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a, I can't list the whole cast right now. But Wait, there's... isn't Cynthia Erivo also in Bad Times? They she is. Yeah, yeah, she's in that Widows. Yeah, yeah, she's. I think she's like yeah. Um, so it's it looks really interesting. It looks really fun. It looks like a whodunit, like a murder mystery type of thing. But also like with Drew Goddard, there's always like like a like some some interesting forces going on behind the scenes of, of these movies. And also comedy, which, like, yeah, yes, put John Hamm and Chris Hemsworth in more comedies, please. It's like a pulpy comedy noir. Like, a very was, weird, yeah. yeah, really funny, yeah. interesting movie. It's really weird to see John Hamm in the 60s, but, like, with a smile on his face. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, with Mad Men, he's always very stern, and, oh, no one can find out my name is Dick Whitman. Um... And so, like, I'm really fun- excited to see him be, like, a jovial, like, vacuum cleaner, probably, with a dark secret. Um, and, like, uh, Chris Hemsworth is apparently playing, like, a Charles Manson type. So it's going to be really, really, really fascinating. Really weird. Um, yeah, Anya just gave the weirdest face. She's like, what? Um, Charles Manson? Not, he's not playing Charles Manson. No, but, like, I know, cult- but, like, he's, like, a cult serial killer person? Yeah. Ooh. This oh, is about shit. cults. Like, I think uh, Chris Hemsworth is playing a sexy cult leader. Yeah, he's probably I say a sexy, sexy leader because he's turned I mean, I'd follow, I'd follow him into hell, yeah. so. <laughs> okay. So the next movie I have is Spider-Man <laughs> Spider-Verse. But not as fast as I would follow Chris Pine and yep. um, his penis, which everyone loved at Toronto. Yeah. Okay. So Spider-Verse <laughs> is an animated comedy, an animated movie by... Uh, Chris Lord and Phil Miller. No, Phil Lord and Chris Miller? Yeah, that's how they... Yeah, they've, they're executive producing this. Um, it's a animated... It's really fascinatingly animated. Like, it's nothing I've ever seen before. It looks beautiful. It looks really interesting. It looks... It looks like it's, 3D animation mixed with rotoscoping, which I really enjoy. Like, 2D backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It's really... I really... And, like, there's a lot of comic book, like, incorporated, like, stuff, like you know, side panels and, like, uh, like text on the screen that looks like comic book text. Um, really excited. Uh, Shmeek Moore, I think, it was great and dope. He was great in the get-down. I think he's got a, a great personality that I think will fit, fit well with Miles Morales. And Jake Johnson is playing the other Peter, the Peter Parker from a different universe who, like, comes in to, like, recruit Miles and recruit other spider people to like save the spider-verse and jake johnson is like an older peter parker who's like kind of like like he's still like witty but also like beaten down by the years of being spider-man is a really fascinating (laughs) because i think jake johnson jake johnson is great at being like 
almost a deadbeat dad, like almost deadbeat. He basically plays deadbeat dad in this case. It yeah. Seems. Um. So I'm excited for that. Creed two. Um, Creed was one of the best, my favorite movies of 2015. It was part of the legacy sequel trilogy of Mad Max Fury Road, The Force Awakens, and Creed that came out that year. And so I'm really excited to see where they're going with the story of Adonis Creed. Um, they're bringing back, uh, I think, Dolph Lundgren, and like his son is like a, a boxer, and the two of them are going to fight. Um, so it's going to be like a rehash of uh, Rocky IV. So it's going to be like more about legacy and what it means to be Creed and what it means to be like the like son of legends and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, and then A Star is Born, what else to say? It's going to be a fun, like, old-timey Hollywood movie about, like, Hollywood and, or, I guess, grand... Well, it's not old, isn't it? Current? Well, it's, yeah, it's modern day, but it's like, you know, a classic story in a modern retelling, that sort of deal, which yeah. Hollywood loves. So I'm excited they for do. it. Bradley Cooper can sing, apparently, which I'm excited for. And he can for. also direct, apparently, because this is his directorial debut. It looks like Clint Eastwood was supposed to direct it with Beyonce as the Lady Gaga role, and that fell apart. But he, there are some interesting, like, Clint Eastwood directing parallels. Like, I could see him, Bradley Cooper, like, looking at Clint Eastwood and being like, I'm going to steal that style of filmmaking. <laughs> Basically. Because so, it looks very, like, glossy and prestige like that. Um, but yeah, those are the my five. All right, I think that's a great way to wrap up our fall movie discussion. Before we move into the last segment of our episode, we have another ad. The Millennium Falcon is brought to you by not looking at your phone in the movie theater. Again, it's very disrespectful. Don't answer it. If you have a phone call, leave the room. All right, and with that, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Oh, Willoughby, why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like in pop culture this week? So we've talked about this show many, many times over the last couple of years. In fact, last week we talked about it. I wonder it. what show it could be. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the Big Bong Theory. Um, <laughs> I mean, our favorite. Our favorite show of all time. Um, No, I'm talking about The Good Place. Uh, I... Uh, Melissa, my girlfriend, has never seen it, so yesterday we watched 20 episodes of it. Um, it's incredible still. I, I, I had not rewatched season one uh, since the, the big reveal at the end of season one, so like watching it has, has been an experience because it's like, oh, I know what's happening. And it's really, really interesting and really, really good now. Like it's like at the my initial thoughts on season one was like I was a little hesitant to to like figure out where it's going, and then season two took me and just like guided me into awesomeness. And so going back and rewatching season one and like how that all plays out with the knowledge that of what it what the good place really is is fascinating, and I love it, and I can't 
wait to finish season two with Melissa, so that way she'll be uh, ready to go for season three, and I'll be ready to go for season three, because I've been meaning to do a rewatch, and she'd never seen it, so it's just fun, and she she really likes it. She's laughing at all the jokes. She's from Arizona, so whenever they make fun of Arizona, it's really funny, because she, like, laughs. She's like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, there's so many specific jokes to various states and locations in The Good Place that definitely feels like a lot of the writers are from, for example, Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, is great. I like how that you can Ford have like, Ford Halls. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars rule. Yeah, um, it's like, yeah. And it just gave me a deeper appreciation for the show. Um I I loved it before, but like season 1 was I like if I had to pick a season I'd pick season 2 over rewatching it, but like I I found a deeper understanding in my like for it. So is um, there foreshadowing in the first season to, you know, the big reveal at the end of the season? Well, uh, the only foreshadowing I can see, there's two instances. They were really good about not doing foreshadowing. Um, Jason Mendoza thinks that it's a prank show when he's like trying to figure out what this place is. Cause you know, he's not, he doesn't belong there either. So like, he's like, I bet it's a prank show. And then at the end he, he's like, oh, so it is a prank show. And then like, it's not accurately but like he guesses that there's something funky going on here and then the other thing is that michael kicks a dog into the sun um but he does it because he thinks the dog doesn't belong in the good place as like this like architect of of a good place neighborhood he thinks that the, the, the dog is a glitch so he kicks it into the into the um um son but then it turns out like that quote one of the de- one of the good place residents has just lost her dog and so he brought it back so like but like he did it in such a way that he was like like it's almost seemed out of character at the time but now you're like oh he just he just like he's a demon yeah so um yeah no I, but as for like foreshadowing like no they really try to make it make you believe that this is the good place and that um, but then, like, with that knowledge of what it really is, it's so much, the irony is so much bigger. So, I don't know. I like The Good Place a lot, guys. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. All right, Anya, what's your really like for this week? So, <clears throat> I didn't have anything at first. I was going to talk about, like, things I'm, like, anticipating really liking. Um, and then, last night, I had a wonderful night, and I thought I'd tell you all about it as my really like. So the Hollywood Bowl every summer um, does like sing-alongs to like movie musicals. So we saw Grease earlier this summer and they do Sound of Music every year. And it's my mom's all-time favorite movie. And so last year I surprised her and took her to go see it. And it was so much fun that we decided to make it a little tradition. And so we went again last night. Let me tell you, the Sound of Music fandom is both woke as fuck, hilarious, and so thirsty. <laughs> thirsty for so great, Christopher Plummer. Well, they better get a glass oh, of water. Oh, thirsty for Christopher Plummer. I mean, who's a total drink of water? That's I mean, sure. honestly, he, yeah, he, he is. That scene where he rips the Nazi flag, I'm just like, whoo! <laughs> I'm so hot and bothered. So it's so great because, like, it's people who love the movie. Like, it's fans who go and like people do go year after year. Become like a tradition. People dress up in costume, and they give you little props for the movie. We all have poppers, so like when Captain Montrap and Maria kiss for the first time, we all do our poppers. It's really cute, and like you sing along, obviously. But the thing is that like commentary is welcome. So like we'll like shout about like Rolf being a Nazi and like just like shout things at the screen, and other people respond back to your jokes, and it's like a very communal 
cheesy white people thing, but it's so much fun, and I love that movie. Um, and people have laser pointers, uh, and whenever Nazis are on screen, they use the laser pointers to point them at the Nazis. <laughs> and it's just, like, a really fun experience if you, like, love that movie. If you don't, it's probably not for you, but I love The Sound of Music. Um, and <laughs> so, like, one of the jokes we had last night was... <laughs> When Captain Von Trapp finds out Maria is no longer a nun and he realizes that they can, like, have sex, he has, like, this, like, look on his face. He's, like, this, like, oh, my God look. And I just shouted out really loud. I never noticed that. What? When does this happen? Neither. It's um, when she comes back and he's talking to the Baroness and she's, like, they're, like, talking about how, like, he's clearly not in love with her and he's in love with Maria. And she's, like, well, she's not in, like, a nun anymore. And, like, Christopher Plummer's eyes just, like, widen. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So it was, like, quiet. And if you guys remember the Brooklyn Nine-Nine scene, I just went out, I just shouted out, I was like, BONE! <laughs> <laughs> and that's the kind of experience the Sound of Music sing-along is at the Hollywood Bowl, is, like, people shouting things oh. like that. So it's, like, Rocky Horror uh, picture musical and made into, like, a Sound of Music. <laughs> but exactly. For, for Austrian white people. <laughs> like... Austrian white people, like, fighting against Nazis and, like, singing in the hills and... Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's like, yeah, man. Um, so, and then... so, Anya, I have a question. Were the hills sure. alive with the sound of music last night? Ooh. Ooh. They were more than alive, Willoughby. They were lit. <gasps> the hills were lit with the sound of music? They were. That's the okay. sequel title right there. <laughs> the sound <laughs> of music... The... <laughs> and then hold on real quick bonus did you guys watch all that and figure it out growing up oh of course i did who do you think i am okay i knew you would willoughby for sure do you remember Lori beth of course Lori beth Denver. we are now facebook friends hey saw her after the show and you're like oh my god that's Lori beth and we went up to go talk to her and we talked about like night she's been coming with her girlfriends for like years to the sound of music sing along and we started talking about her like about all that and how she was like a big part of our childhoods and just about the night and how much we enjoyed it and what a great communal experience is and she was like friend me on facebook and so i met Lori beth and i was like oh my god childhood hero oh my god we talked about like we talked about we talked about keenan winning his emmy and we're all so proud of him and she was like keenan's always like been the best like he's always given 110 percent like since all that like he's always there and he's like he needs a retroactive Emmy for Keenan and Kel. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, Sound of Music and Childhood Nostalgia. Yeah. Pretty nice. Speaking of nostalgia, my really like is somewhat related to that. Um, and it's something that's really interesting. Yeah. Because it's um, it's a really like that started off as kind of a really hate. Oh, no. Yeah, so I know what I'm talking about. But earlier this know. week... News hit that Netflix was developing an Avatar The Last Airbender live action series from original creators, um, from the original creators. And at first, when I first heard of this news, I was um, uh, taken over by a huge rage (laughs) because of what happened last time we got a live action adaptation of this fantastic, life changing animated series from Nickelodeon. What do you mean? There was there was never a live action adaptation of Avatar. Yeah, no, Last I don't Avatar. know what you're talking about. There is no war in Bossing Say. There is no war in Bossing Say. <laughs> yeah, so I at first was 
very infuriated by this news until I heard that uh, original creators were coming back and that they were attempting to do a live action series with um, people of color cast in the roles, which was the huge failing of the movie apart from (laughs) many other things. Maybe they'll get the name pronunciations correct. Song. (laughs) Soka. I okay. So the funny thing is, I actually have never seen the live action movie because, like, oh me neither. I don't need. I don't need. So like, I didn't know about all these like mispronounced names and stuff. And I'm just like, oh my. I think I watched back when it was like not a bad thing to watch. I think I watched the Cinema Sins episode for the Last Airbender like four years ago, and it was just like, oh man, I'm glad I dodged a bullet here. I saw this movie in theaters. I was did you watch, excited. Did you go to la- the midnight premiere? I didn't go to the midnight premiere. I was too okay. young then. <laughs> My favorite news article, or not news article, but like the the week after um, the Avatar movie came, the Airbender last Airbender movie came out. I remember like Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood were doing those like reporters outside of a movie theater um, who like ask for reactions to the movie because it was like a big anticipated movie. Yeah, and all these like kids and teenagers like were coming out of the movie and every almost every single one of them just had like a bad reaction to it and that was how i learned that the movie was gonna be bad and i was like oh even when the fans are just like yeah it was just like oh it was before social media it was like you know access hollywood was like so little child what did you think of this movie based on your childhood tv show and they were like i hated it (laughs) and i was like oh boy yeah, it was bad, guys. It was it was that bad. It's like so. Are you so? If you're really like sort of really hate, really like so, are you excited for the new live action show? Yeah, now I'm actually quite excited for it, and it kind of came about. That excitement came about in part because I started fan casting a lot of the the characters, and fan yes. casting is one of my favorite little hobbies to do. I already have the entire list of main characters as well as some supporting characters in my phone, Amazing. which I'm never going to publish, but it's just a fun thing for me. And would you tell us a couple? Oh, would you be willing to tell us a couple right now? Oh, for sure. Okay, let me pull it up. Make some, some of your favorites. Just okay. in case, uh, in 2019, 2020, Slashville needs an article yeah. about fan casts. So, uh, who I have for Aang is Forrest Wheeler, who is the middle uh, child from Fresh Off the Boat. I looked it okay. up. He uh, is a black belt in uh, karate. I looked at his Instagram just to find to check it to make sure. Um, he's a 14-year-old actor. Uh, for Katara, I have Ali Cravalho from Moana. She's so good. Um, so for the Water Tribe, I kind of fan castled either. It was mostly Polynesian Polynesian actors because uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to find like especially indigenous um, Arctic actors and that kind of thing. And some I did ca- fan cast some indigenous like Native American actors. So for Sokka, I have Boo Boo Stewart, who's Native American. Um, he appeared in the Twilight films. Uh, Toph is Peyton Elizabeth Lee, who is a young child actress from a Disney Channel show. Uh, and she has a look for it. It was She was hard. She's a difficult one. Zuko. I have Ryan Potter, who was one of my fan casts for Tim Drake back way back when. Mm-hmm. Now he's isn't he Beast Boy in the Titans? And he's show? Beast Boy in the Titans. So if he does this, then maybe he'll be saved from the Titans show. Who knows? <laughs> well, yeah, Beast Boy can change his shape, so you know they just have him. Oh, Beast Boy is just stuck as a rhino now. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Um, Iro, I have Benedict Wong, 
Oh, that's a good one! Yeah, man! Oh, that's really good, HG. I hope that happens. For Ozai. Wong has clout with Netflix because he that's... was um, on Marco the Marco Polo, Polo show. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people are actually from Marco Polo. <laughs> um, for Ozai, I have Hiroyuki Sanada, who you may recognize from Westworld and also the final season of Lost. Um, so bunch of others those are about that's a preview of all the ones i, have. I love it yeah it's really we fun all right, all right netflix more. we know you're listening take note take yeah. note yeah so that kind Did of helped me get excited for this and this would come out um they go into into development into production in 2019 okay so, so probably for 2020 they start yeah. for season one mm-hmm. so guys 20 the 2020s are gonna be like we're going to be in our 30s. We're going to be watching Avatar The Last Airbender. It's going to be great. I just have I have a lot of hope now building, building up for the show. In 2020. In 2022 when season 3 comes out. <laughs> that's, that's too far away from We're rounding now, up. Only. It's only four years from now. Well, shh. No, it's shh. Ten year high school anniversaries in two years. Time I shows time is a flat circle. Anyways, I now have... Um, High hopes for this series. I may be faulty in that. Who knows? I have trust in the original creators. I have trust um, in Netflix doing right by this series. I know that Netflix has a habit of just throwing money at de- projects that they're invested in. And they have a good relationship with a lot of the Avatar, former Avatar, uh, the last yeah. Avatar writers. But, Ultron such as and Ultron, the last the Dragon, Dra- Prince, Dragon Prince have been like, good for them. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I hope that with that, they are going to give this the big budget spectacle that it deserves um, which will be difficult but I'm excited for it yeah so love it yeah. I like the concept art that they uh, released mm-hmm. of Aang yeah. and Hoppa yeah yep, it gave yep. me feelings I'm, again yep yep know. Uh, one of the best shows ever I'm, I'm very I'm, I'm anxious and eager all at the same time yes have you guys bought the blu-ray yet for the re-release no, no. Oh, you should it's really good I should actually it's only $30 and it's like really good I might get it because it's not on Netflix or Amazon anymore yeah which is a bummer it's not on Amazon anymore no I think they oh, took bummer. it off yeah Oh, well, you should get the Blu-ray then, because they actually did a really good transfer of it. It Ooh. looks really good. It's still 4x3, obviously, because that was how they animated it. Um, but, like, it's high def. It's as high def as you can get a TV show from 2005 to be high def. Awesome. Um, and Because they had released Korra on Blu-ray uh, a couple years ago, and I bought that. And so now I have uh, both se- both series on high definition ready to go at any- a moment's notice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, with that plug, go buy your Blu-rays. Um, that is our episode. So if you guys have any thoughts on film, film movies, that's not a, that's not a thing, guys. The Nickelodeons. If you guys have any thoughts on fall movies or the upcoming Avatar live action TV show or going out to see things like The Sound of Music or rewatching shows like The Good Place, come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud and listen to us and rate, re- rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at htranbui. You can find me on Twitter at Anya Crittenton. You can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.